In Colorado, you can legally gamble in Blackhawk, Central City, Cripple Creek, and licensed online sports betting. Protect our communities. Learn more at playlegitco.com. A message from the Colorado Division of Gaming. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. What's good, fam? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. It has creation tools to help you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or from your computer. Anchor will even help distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Everything you need to make a podcast, it's all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. This is a safe space where men share their fatherhood journey. These conversations are transparent and, more importantly, vulnerable. Now, because each fatherhood story is situationally nuanced, some topics are heavier than others. The commonality found amongst all the guests is a genuine desire to help and inspire other men through telling their story. And now, here's your host, Derek Johns. Derek Johns. Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. This is a safe space where we have vulnerable conversations about the fatherhood journey. Sometimes it's light, sometimes it's a little heavy. I think tonight's story is going to touch on all of the above. I'm not going to belabor the intro. We're going to get right into it. And I'm going to bring tonight's guest, Mr. Rudy Ortega Senior. Rudy, welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. How are you, my brother? Hey, I am fine, my friend. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. I like the energy, man. I like the energy. I might have to lean on your energy tonight, but I always okay. want to start off and make sure that the guests are in a good headspace, make sure that, um, you know, you're doing okay for real, so that the conversation will reflect that. Um, how, how you feeling? How was your day? Good, good day. Uh, a little tough at work. Uh, work is always tough, um, not physically, but uh, dealing with some of my uh, employees. Yeah. But everything else is great. Everything yeah. is great. Well, since you since you touched on that, what do you do? Let the people know. Uh, I'm I'm a director at for U.S. Army uh, Financial Management Command. I'm I'm in. Okay. I direct the uh, military pay offices in Richmond, uh, Virginia, Fort Dix, New Jersey, and McGuire Base, New Jersey. Is that personnel pay or subcontractor pay or both? It's military pay. All pay. Okay, cool, yes. cool, cool, yeah. cool. Uh, Rudy, where did you grow up? Let's let's start with uh, that part of your story. Let's get the backdrop of what life was like, your earliest memories. And of course, sure. all of this is building through a lens of fatherhood. So if you could touch on the relationship that you had with your father during that time, was he around, you know, what kind sure. of communication style you guys had? Let's Let's start there. Sure, sure. I'm from East Chicago, Indiana. It's actually a suburb of Chicago, okay. but you could actually walk to Chicago from there if you wanted to. It's like maybe nine miles from the border, not too far from the border, so it's pretty close. So my father, he was from Texas, and uh, but he lived in East Chicago too. Um, we, they, him and my mom were married in East Chicago. Uh, my dad, my dad is a recovering alcoholic. My dad's actually still alive, 82 okay. years old. My sister takes care of him up north. Um, you know, uh, growing up uh, back then, and and maybe some of it has to do with our heritage. Um, the the word alcoholic didn't come up. You didn't want to say that, just like you didn't mm. want to say you went to a psychiatrist back then. You didn't yeah, want yeah, to yeah. admit that. But my dad was a heavy drinker. Um, okay. He, my dad was a a brother of, and and he had fourteen sisters and brothers, and okay. they lived in Michigan. And my earliest memory of them when we would go up to visit me and my uh, two brothers, because my sisters weren't born yet. And we would want to sleep in the living room because we knew their fight was going to break out. Um, wow. One of, uncle, one of the uncles would start an argument or call their their son a sissy or something ridiculous yeah. like that, and a fight would break out. And and 
and there was always something going on in, in my dad's family and and I guess that caused like a negative uh, uh, negative effect on my mother. My mother passed away. Um, mm. My mother, um, I would say, had difficulty uh, expressing her love. Um, I mean, gotcha. if if you think expressing the love is, is buying you stuff or making sure you have things, then, then that's fine. But she never said "I love you" to any of us. Uh, she never hugged us. And and quite frankly, and this is how alcoholism is. Sometimes my dad was the alcoholic, but we felt sorry for my dad. We mm. thought my mom would would make him the way he is, would make him angry. And we we would we would my earliest day, I would remember how we would be up uh, when we knew he was coming home late, but we would be holding hands, hoping that he would come home and she would be sleeping and that no argument would break out. Oh, wow. But but every, every day he came home and, and we just felt like he was being picked on. And, you know, that's things I've learned since then that it wasn't always that. Now, I'm not saying that he drank because of her or or. Yeah you know, uh, vice versa, but she, she, we felt that she was mean to him at times. I mean, there was a, a lot of things he did, but my dad wasn't one of those drinkers that went around and beat us or anything. He didn't, gotcha. he, he would do stuff for us, buy us stuff, take us to drive-ins. If you remember the drive-in theaters, but, um, we just would feel like she was, he was being picked on a lot. And maybe that sympathy led to me being, uh, more easily taken into the drug atmosphere. Oh, wow. I mean, I, I, I remember the time my, my dad came home and my mom was mad at him because he came home late and she, and she threw all his liquor, you know, down the sink and everything. Yeah. And, 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 and the thing that used to hurt us is it, it being a son of an alcoholic puts a lot of pressure on you. Um, so what, what, what do you fit in the order, in the ranking order of the kids? What, well, what my oldest bro brother, Ron, okay. he's, he's three years older than me. And I had a younger brother, Rich, who passed away from COVID this, mm. this past year. Um, so us three would just kind of hang together and just okay. watch things that went on. But again, it was just a lot of stress and anxiety every time because we were hoping there was nothing would break out. Um, and, and he, you know, my, my dad wouldn't think sometimes. And, and I guess when you're drunk or you need a drink, you don't. I, uh, the one day he came home, and like I said, she threw away all his alcohol. And, and to prove a point, he, he went under the sink and, and got rubbing alcohol and mixed it with a little water and started drinking it. Wow. Can you imagine us? We were nine, seven, and six, or six yeah. and five, and we were just worried he's going to die. You know, we were yeah. crying, saying, "Dad, stop, stop!" But that—that's what he did. He did that, and that was the things. And and my and my mother just had a strange way about her. She wouldn't stop him. She would like say, "Go ahead, do it, do it." You know, yeah. that kind of stuff just used to resonate with us. And, and just how, how much? How much do you know about your mother's family, her parents, or? That 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 lineage. How much do you know about that? Yeah, um, my my grandmother was alive when we were younger, and my grandfather mm -hmm. was, and and I would say he was an alcoholic, but he never stopped drinking his whole life. Gotcha. Um, we would go to their house, and all my mom's sisters, she had six, their husbands, and my dad would all sit around the table and have their shots of vo or or yeah. old granddad, and just it was just part of drinking. It was that was just part of celebrating. It was just something. I saw as a normality. Um, as right. Got older. So was it, did he all, did it always go to that level of where he couldn't control it? Or was it sometimes more social in the atmosphere? Like you just described uh, Did it, was it always prone to go to 10 from one to 10, you know, when he was, when he was drinking, was there an in-between, was there kind of a cruise control or was it always? Well, kind I'll of, tell you, <laughs> Be, be, be uh, like myself uh, at the beginning when we were younger, there was a cruise control where, you know, you could see where he's getting that way. Yeah. But um, when we got older, right before I joined the service, there wasn't, it was a, one, one drink. And next thing we know, he's, he's there. His metabolism just was, was weakened and he was not able to hold as much alcohol. Wow. Before getting drunk. How did that, um, I want to ask you, how did it impact you? But I don't even know if you knew as a kid how it was impacting you. Did you feel a certain, did it feel wrong or different to you? Did it feel like you said you, you guys were sympathized for your father, but what were some of the, I guess, what did you learn watching that? Did it make you more prone to, to following those footsteps or yeah. how you did know, that work you, out? There's two ways to go, you know, when you have a father that's alcoholic or a parent yeah. that's alcoholic. And my dad, keep in mind, my dad hasn't drank in like 30 years now. That's awesome. Let's celebrate but, that. Yeah, yeah, yes. But um, 
you could go either the way of saying to yourself, hey, I'm never going to be like that. Yeah. Or you could go the other way. And I went the other way. It didn't affect me. I didn't think it was. And, and the, to tell you, to emphasize on that point, when I joined the Navy, my goal was just go out and party. I didn't have a goal to become a, a, an E7 or a ranking and make it. Yeah. It didn't matter to me. I, my goal was to go out and just drink right, and, yeah. and enjoy myself. And that and unfortunately, that's what I did. Were you able to have and I don't want to sound crass, but like, were you able to have coherent conversations with your father throughout that time or or not so much? Were there any points where there was clarity and you can have real conversations that he would tell you things about life or his concerns or what he thought, you know, he wanted for you and your future? After he quit drinking, we got to the longer conversations okay. where he told me about what he's been through. I didn't know some things about him when the, he, he had a little bit of prison time and mm. how he lost his, some of his hearing uh, in mm. a fight and, and things. There was things I learned later on that right. I would have liked to know him probably sooner. I probably would have. What are some of the things that you that you wish that you didn't have to learn on your own? Because I, I in my story is out in, in one of the earlier podcasts where my dad, my, the problem with not the problem with my father, my, pro, my father didn't have a problem drinking. I didn't want his advice. Right. So I created this gap. And however you create the gap or whatever creates the gap, the gap is the gap. Right. So if you don't have that relationship and that open communication, father to son, son to father, there are things that the son will typically experience by, you know, the trial by fire. Right. What, is, what are some right. of those things that maybe if the relationship was a little bit stronger, you think that you might have pivoted just a little bit? Uh, in your sure. earlier life? Well, I, I was the opposite, quite frankly. I, I wanted advice. I, mm -hmm. I wanted some input I, ne I never got from him and my mother. Uh, of my mother, I got a lot of insults. My father, I didn't get the more advice. And and I would hear other people, my uncles and that, talk so highly of my dad. Because mm -hmm. when, when my dad's just the type of guy, even now, that ev everybody just loves. He's just a nice guy. And he right. just wasn't drinking. And when he drank, he acted silly. And he didn't hurt nobody when he drank. He wasn't a mean drunk. Yeah. But it, it was just that. And it, it affected me. Like I said, I, I was always on my toes, always um, stressing out. And and I, I one thing down later on in my life, I, I wanted to make sure that my kids didn't have that pressure. I yeah. wanted to make sure that, but um, it didn't work out that way. How many kids fun. do you have? Well, I have five. I have three that live up in Chicago, mm -hmm. uh, Rudy, Mike, and Liz. And then Antonio and Andrew live, uh, Andrew, Antonio lives in Maryland, and Andrew lives down here in Newport News. How much of you do you see in each kid and what does it look like? I'm going to say the two part thing on that. Uh, what I've seen, how they have and how they're changing. My oldest boy, Rudy, unfortunately, I, I saw a lot of me in him. Mm. Um, he was the oldest and he saw me. And, and you see, the, the first three kids were with the uh, previous wife. Okay. Uh, and I was in the Navy then. And, um, um, he witnessed a lot of things that went on between me and my wife. There, it was some confrontation. It was uh, just infidelity, right. uh, drinking. Uh, I always, you know, used to try to say that I'm, I'm not, I was a terrible husband, but a, a great dad. And, and I thought I was. I thought that was enough to get Biden things and be with them when I was sober, but not being around hurts. Yeah. Uh, putting pressure on them that you don't know. You know, sometimes you don't know how it affects children. And it affected my oldest son where I feel was a cause of, him getting into the gangs, him uh, him getting shot. He he was shot nine times. Oh wow! Um, him him getting in jail time, seven years. All wow. this I felt it was just for putting pressure on him and treating him. And, and let me give you an example of what I mean by pressure. Um, yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, you know, one one day uh, when I used to go to work after a hangover, I get up and someone would beat the horn for me to go. And every mm. morning I couldn't find like my belt or my hat or my ribbons, and and my wife would put them on the table there. Uh, in the morning so I could find him. Mm -hmm. And one day I got up early. I wasn't hungover and I heard it in the closet. So I went over there. It wasn't my wife. It was my oldest boy, a seven year old, getting up every morning to make sure my stuff was on the table. Wow. That is that is pressure to put on yeah. a young man that you don't realize you're doing it. And it hurt me to my heart. And but you know what? When you're when you're a drinker, it, it doesn't matter. It's about you. And and unfortunately I wasn't thinking enough. I thought I was a good dad, but I, I'm not sure I had that definition right. And and I get that. And this is not a dad bashing platform. This is about revealing things about, you know, myself, sure. number one, and the guests 
uh, coming in that same vein and, and talking about how we heal from it and ultimately to help other people. So, you know, I, there's nothing shameful about um, anything that's just in terms of me putting shame on it. That's not my approach. Sure. It's not my MO. Right. Did you, did at what point or did you at any point have a conversation with that oldest son about your behavior as a father and that, that, that perceived pressure that you were just characterizing? Did you ever talk about that with him at any stage? Yes. Um, it was after, after he got in, he was in prison. It was actually at a prison visit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It, it was and, tough. And what, what age was he and what age were you that during that time when he was, I guess, getting into trouble and yeah, he was around 20, 21, 22, uh, 20. He mm -hmm. got locked up at 22, I believe. And I was in my thirties and, um, mm. it, it was a thing that we kind of knew was coming. And, and instead of trying to stop it, I was just feeding into it. As a matter of fact, what I'll never forget is that, on his birthday, I, I I gave him money to go out, which I shouldn't have. I sent money to him, and that was the night he went out and and, um, and hmm. he went out and hurt someone bad in a vehicle, uh, wow. a hom homicide, and it, it it brought down the whole family and it brought down him, and it was just a just something wow difficult. And difficult. he was he was the oldest and. It was it was three in your previous marriage, right? So it was him, right? Girl and another boy and another son. Yes, yes. Was the girl in the middle? The girls in the middle. How did how did that impact the younger children? I guess seeing how you dealt or didn't deal with some of the issues that your oldest son was having. Did they duplicate? Did they um, mimic that behavior at all? Or did they see it? Did they have a front row seat and they wanted to steer clear? Well, you know, during the time we was having marriage problems and that they're, they're all one year apart. So okay. they were, they were their best, not only, you know, family, best friends with each other. So they, they seek each other for assistance. And my daughter would just stay up nights, just like I would worry about him. Yeah. She's just the warrior. She's just the care. And my youngest son, um, he drank for a while and mainly because of his angry about his brother and, and things like that. But he was a drinker at one time also. Uh, know that all of them now are, are non-drinkers and that's beautiful and, and, and road, but um, it, it affected them both. Um, we've had talks before where we've talked and I, and I've shared my story with them and shared with them how my feelings are. And, and we, we, we've gone, um, come pretty close. They've, they've come and, and realized what I've been through. Mm -hmm. um, don't get me wrong. I, I never asked them for sympathy or anything like sure. that. They understand I had daily struggles and, and I'll tell you further on the line that, 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 that I, I continue to struggle. And I think me remembering the past and remembering the things is what keeps me going and keeps me uh, on the straight and narrow and keeps me advising my children correctly and, and teaching them in the right direction to go. What's, um, what is the, I guess for for somebody out that somebody out out there that may be struggling with it, and I, I've had struggles with alcohol to a degree, not where it has caused any significant damage or pain to my family, thank God, but to cross over into where like you don't have control of it, what are some of those signs that you wish you addressed in real time? that may help a parent or, uh, or anyone else listening kind of be on, on guard for that with the, with a loved one or a friend, what is it, what does it look like? Cause you've been on both sides of it. You've been in it. Then you've seen it, um, you know, firsthand with, with, uh, with your, with your children, uh, to a degree, sure. what, are, what are some of those things that you, that's something to look out for? You know, you're, you're asking me that now and now I see them, but there were things I didn't see then. And, and you touched upon it a little, you know, I could, you don't know when your limit is. You could go into a, a club or a store and drink one drink and think that um, I'm so I'm a drink today. And yeah. Next thing you know, you have four or five more, and, and that's it. You're, yeah. You're gone. And and what you, what you need to understand is what you do that day is going to be regretted the next day, no matter what it is. Um, I I've had so many embarrassing moments where I embarrass my wife, my my. Um, children and, and their grandparents and different things that you don't realize. And then, you know what, if you're still drinking, it just, it just, you just forget about it because it's about you. Okay. Yeah. So 
I was drunk. That's your excuse and move on. But when you, when you start feeling that, that you really don't know if you have a limit, um, yeah. you know, people always used to say, I, I went to rehab twice and I, and, and okay. I always joke with everybody the first time didn't take. So I had to go again. <laughs> right. And the second time I went because I wanted to, uh, I wanted to learn more and, and it took because I, I wanted to, but, but, you know, people talk about, and I used to disagree with the AA group on this. They say, Hey, you're going to get well once you hit rock bottom and realize it. But to me, rock bottom is death, man. You can't, you can't wait to that. You, you gotta, yeah. you gotta jump on it right away. And, and there was a time, there was a couple of times when I thought I got snapped out of it from things that happened, a DUI or, or, mm. or, but it wasn't until one, one certain occasion back in Philly, Philadelphia, that, that really woke me up and, and, and it takes that to wake you up. And, and when I stopped drinking, mostly it, it wasn't all because of AA, it was mostly because uh, I met a lady who, who helped me, uh, my mm. current wife. She worked me through it by not judging me, yeah. not pushing me, just in her mind, it was let God handle it. Yeah. And, 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 and it worked because I didn't, I, I didn't get lectured not to do this. I didn't get told, um, you know, she used to go to church, my wife with the, with the kids every, every Saturday. And I right. didn't go and they, they would ask her all the time, you know, why ain't dad going? You know, uh, I'd say like, Hey, just get me a beer. You know, don't worry about me. Yeah. And she would just tell him, don't worry about your dad. God got him. And, you know, I used to notice that when they came home, they was they were happy. They weren't yeah. depressed like me drinking beer. They were happy. And it took a couple of uh, years before I realized maybe maybe I'm missing something. Maybe yeah. I'm missing life. And that's what part of the reason why I started trying to adjust my life in that. Yeah. So when 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 your new miracle walked into your life that is your wife now, in the beginning stages, was it hard for you to accept? love because you referenced that your mother wasn't necessarily the most um vocal about you know saying i love you or, or maybe in the ways that she showed love was that tough and if so how did you how did you work through it it was very tough um i thought i could handle this someone that cared that much but you get confused and thinking caring and they're just being nosy and just try to dip in yeah you know a lot of people don't understand why i married this lady my 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 in-laws my my aunts and uncles actually asked her why you want to marry this guy? He, wow. He's got he's got he's got baggage. He's got an ex-wife that's that's not all there, and he's broke. Yeah. But she says she sees something in me. So when you have someone that really sees something in you, you try your best. But even then, the first two years of our marriage, I was still drinking, yeah. and it was still rough to handle. Um, and, and and I'm not trying to stereotype. I'm just saying my first wife was Spanish, and she kind of let things roll. Mm-hmm. My current wife is black, and mm-hmm. She just didn't play that. I knew if I messed up when I got to a limit that I was gone. It was yeah. no third, fourth chance. So that sort of was in my head and helped me uh, kind of realize that I, I either got two ways, man. Just live wow. Go. So that's so that's interesting because initially, what you were saying about your wife, and it, it, they're not contradicting, but that she was. She was very loving. She was very patient, but it sounds like she clearly set boundaries. So it wasn't by no means that you walk all over her or the relationship, but she had that balance of boundary and showing you love to help you get through. And I think that's, 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 that's beautiful. Hopefully that, that may help someone because that, that could be rough. What, what, how, how would you quantify the impact that, that drinking had in your marriage to your current wife and the kids that were born out of that, out of that relationship. Out of my current wife with yeah. my current wife. Um, you know, it's hard to say when you first, because when the, the Antonia was born, I was still, uh, get, I, I, I had stopped drinking, but I, I wasn't all there yet. I still yeah. knew I could still walk in somewhere and get a drink if I did. So, so I, I think it did affect me because when I when I realized what I was doing wrong drinking, I started looking my, at myself more in a magnifying glass way, where I realized some things that I had to do, or I was going to die. Wow! And I I overemphasize things like um, exa- ex- just being overprotective, whether it's overprotective, overcautious, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I created my own system. You know, if you were to ask the people at, at, at leadership at church or at my work, they would tell you I'm real organized. And it wasn't something that was planned. It's just that I do that because I saw 
but this orientation of my whole household with my wow. dad when he would drink that I want I said I'm I'm gonna I did focus I I figured out things and, and and an example is that like you know I had this tradition whenever I take any of my kids um, out to like learn to drive I'll say that learn to drive I teach them everything including changing a tire I'll go out and actually change a tire with them right. and, and whether they listen or not or they, I mean Tonyo used to complain why why are you doing why are we and then one night he called me from D.C. where he he had got a flat tire and it's a bad neighborhood. He just thanked me that, hey, I, I knew exactly what I had to do, yeah. what you taught me. And that kind of stuff is sticks with you. But but what I also, if someone was to ask me what how I do it, I would say I, I don't forget what I've done wrong. Yeah. I, I had pastors tell me, hey, forget about that, move on. Um, I can't. And, and, I, and I don't know if it's bad or good or if this is the way yeah. God has, has set me up. But that my weaknesses strengthens me right now. And, mm. and that's how I keep going. Now, don't get me wrong. I still get in a little depressed mode now and then. Sure. And maybe it's because of that. Maybe I think that, man, my, my son could have been better off than that. You know, and, and my oldest, he also uh, two time uh, beat cancer three times, three times. And his sister wow. donated bone marrow for his last treatment. Wow. Uh, so that's how close they are. Yeah. But. And that, and that gets to me, um, you know, I, I still feel the guilt. I don't know what would have happened if I wasn't drinking, if I was there, because we split up. They lived in Chicago with their mom, and I, I yeah. was traveling around on the ships. That, 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 um, I don't even know how to call it. it the, the level of organization that you had, do you think any part of that was an attempt to count for every moment of your time so that you won't relapse? Like if you always had something structured to do, did you have to, did you have to use that as an approach at any point or was that the organization not even related to, to an, an attempt to keep you away from alcohol out of environments where that, that, that might be presented to you? Yes, it did, but it was unintentional. Okay. Um, you know, I, 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 while I'm getting organized, I'm not thinking, man, I'm doing this because, uh, It'll keep me get my mind off drinking. I don't I don't drink think much about drinking. Yeah. But uh the organization just came with it and just started growing. Um my persistence and, and same thing with my 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 job. It's just the organizational skills that I've used and and maybe in some way they do keep me from thinking. Um yeah. but you know, alcoholics will tell you, you know, I could be in the wrong place, wrong time if I'm not careful. Uh if, sure. there are times I break out in a sweat if I'm at some relative's house and everybody's drinking, I feel it. Maybe yeah. time for me to walk out, um, but yeah, that that had. Um, I, I think that does have a lot of bearing. It keeps me busy and keeps yeah. me going. And um, to tell you the truth, though, it, it more keeps my mind off some of the. Um, uh, I guess I would say depression I get to sometimes sure. from thinking of what what's going on with my kids. But but I, I love them all, and we're very close. It's yeah. just that I just I just feel I, I have uh, I, I have no problem remembering the things I've done wrong. And if I have to share my will, but I don't have no problem with that. Um, I think that, like I said, I think my weaknesses strengthen me. And, and yeah. I think it's human, man. I think it's, I yeah. think it's human to, to, to recall the things that got you where you are, even if you've overcome them, I think to a degree it's healthy. I, I'm the same way. Like I, it's hard for me to celebrate wins long because I know there's another thing coming. Right. And it's not, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's being jaded or maybe, you know, some, some, some bits of depression, uh, in, in me as well, but I, I really have a problem celebrating me. Like if something's going great, I, you know, I, I'll acknowledge it for the moment, but it's like, man, I gotta, I gotta stay focused because anything can happen. I could, I could relapse into a bad behavior or, you know, my, you know, characteristics that I've been trying to overcome. And, and I found lately that like over the last couple of years, I've had to train my mind that when I'm in certain scenarios, don't look that way. Like stay focused, keep, keep, keep the opportunity away so that you don't have to test your limitations. And, and that's, um, that's a growth thing for me. Cause I wasn't always like that, but I, it, it's always interesting. I've always been curious about overcoming alcoholism, how much of it, how much willpower that actually takes when you find yourself back in those environments. Because I mean, there are times that, I, you know, I, I want to drink, you know what I mean? But it it wasn't necessarily a feeling of addiction or maybe I just never accepted that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And does that willpower translate into other things in your life that help you become more successful? 
Like you said, you always, you, you holding on to these things that you've done. You always remember them. You don't forget, but how does that developing that, that toughness, that willpower, are you able to apply it in other areas of your life that create successes that are the more beautiful part of life? I, I think I do. I, and you know, um, to explain that, it, I, I I don't like living on. You hear people say they're living on the edge, or right? Anything. Mm. I don't like living on the edge. An analogy right. to that, you know, I would. I told you I was in the Navy. I was 17 years of my 20 years was on ships, mm. and and one of the habits I got is when you had you got a table and you got anything on a table or anything on a chair, you never put anything by the edge because it's mm. going to roll off, and it's, yeah. you always put in the middle. And that's how I see my life and my, with my kids. And I and I, and I guess I could be pestering with them too, and I don't like them living on the edge. I don't like them taking chances. So yeah. I'm a double checker. I'm a triple checker. And, and, but at that same point, I've learned because of my mom that you can't keep your kids in a box, sure. um, whether it, and, and, and not to get controversial, you know, there are some things that I might not agree with as far mm -hmm. as traditionalism with the seven day Adventist. Yeah. Um, but there are some things I do that I, I feel I'm in the right place if I'm doing it for my children and my family. And that that's what sure. I'm going to do. So I, I, I get that. And I, I grew up in it as well. And I had to, for me, the, the, the struggle for me was I wasn't in it. I was part of it because my family was, and that was, those were the rules of the house. But when I became of age, I realized that my relationship was lacking. And that's not a blame on advertism at all. Any religion, no. religions, in my opinion, their duty is to facilitate your relationship with God. Right. And that relationship brings clarity, brings you closer to him. I'm all for that. But it, it's it's a very dangerous place to be in tradition and not actually have the relationship. And that was a that was something that I had to that I'm still dealing with for my family is like, what a, you know, there's value in it. There's value in tradition. But ultimately, it could yield a very empty experience if you're not focused on and developing the relationship as well. Um, what is the biggest difference between how you parented the first set of kids and the second set of kids? What, what did you notice the most about you that you're proud of? Um, listening, listening more, uh, not just talking, uh, um, and I've been my my two youngest. They're they're very good at communications and and just so intelligent that I, I just just listening to the children more than I did to my first three. I think my first three, uh, um, we talk, um, but they listen. I, I mm. did all the talking. I was a little more stern, um, and it was different with them. And and maybe it's because they grew up in Chicago. They grew up in a different environment. It was different then. But here I listen more. Um, uh, uh, one of the things. Uh, and I think I talked to you about this years ago when Antonio first started basketball here and mm. um, that you saying, well, it's going to be a controversy, you know, him going to games on Friday and Saturday. And, and rather than saying, Hey, just stop, you know, going to your games or practicing. I, I left it up to him. I said, we could either mm. compromise you do one day. And, and he chose on his own, not to practice on Saturdays. Yeah. And, 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 and not nothing. And the reason I, I think things like that are important is because, you know, he didn't practice on Saturdays, yet his coach took it out on him by not playing him as much, you know, during mm -hmm. the games. But when he did play, he played his hardest. So right. that on that senior year, he was the only one on the team to get a scholarship. And, mm. and, and it was amazing. He played the less time, but he was the only one to get a scholarship based on, his, on the play he did do. So that was something we decided on our own. That And my wife is with me on that. There are certain things we do that maybe not be traditional, yeah. But we feel it, it it was right for the kids. Right. And 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 from where they're at right now, it, we feel we made some good choices. What? So that that is one of my major struggles at this stage of life. My, so my kids are let's make this right. <laughs> Today, they are 18, 15, 14, 8 and 6. My six year old will be seven in a couple of days. But I have this mm -hmm. thing where I'm 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 finding myself erring more on being cool dad than being, you know, the aggressive uh, disciplinarian. How, how important is it for, was it for you or was it a conscious decision? Like the, the, the example you just described where you gave your son a choice, which in my house was an only adult choice when I was growing up. 
how important is that for you to have conversations with them and give them context and allow them to express themselves and then they come to a decision. I know sometimes you have to you, you put the hammer down, right? You, there's rules in your house and things like that. Mm-hmm. But was it a conscious thing or was it just the basketball incident um, that that kind of spawned that? Is that is that an approach that you practice regularly? Because I think that's really cool. Yeah. And and no, it was something we practice. I tried to practice regularly. I, I wanted to talk about everything. If we have to compromise, we compromise. And but, you know, to be honest, I, I, I really didn't know how to be cool. I, I was never trying to be a cool dad. Yeah. Uh, I was just trying to be someone to listen. And, and, and an example of that, you know, I, uh, we used to go into, and I was still young, and, and we would go places, and i tell my kids, hey, I'm, I'm going to get us some extra, uh, maybe the, the waitress would be extra nice if, if I use my cool voice. So I had this voice <laughs> with a sore throat, like, hey, man. So I found out later, my kids would come and tell me, hey, dad, we're going in here, don't use your cool voice. Uh. It's embarrassing. Backfire. Until they told me I was embarrassing them, I realized, hey, you can't be cool, man. Yeah. But uh, other than that, um, trying to stick around with them and just just listen to them, man. It's just yeah. it's just a matter of listening, and and that's why I tell everybody just listen. And even yeah. uh, we had a prayer to eat, a night yesterday when I said prayer, and I was just saying that we just gotta listen to our kids, man. If we could yeah. just listen, and, and and they're gonna say some dumb stuff. Come on, we did. Gonna but, do but some dumb you, stuff. You gotta yeah, exactly, but you yeah. gotta let them listen. Listen, if you keep them in that box, when they get out of it, they're oh, gonna yeah. go wild. They're gonna yeah. go wild, and, and that uh, with with you with your children, I, I would say the same thing. Yeah, you you and, and you got a beautiful family, by the way. But, I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, de- def- definitely. Uh, it's a struggle to, how, how to be like you said, the cool dad and, and what's right, what's wrong. But I think the way you, if it's in your heart, you're gonna do the right thing somehow. And even sure. if you make the mistakes. I've made mistakes and they've corrected on their own, like overcorrected from my mistakes. So, so it, 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 I think it's instinct and it comes from, believe it or not, your, your, your parents. I mean, I yeah. think somehow they instilled that in you um, yeah. in, in their own way. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my father and I had a conversation, it's been a couple months now about how we felt about our relationship early on and what we could have done better. We, we both took ownership and I'm so glad that I was able to do that while he was alive. Because through these conversations, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm meeting men in different places in their life, different ages and different circumstances. And everybody doesn't get that opportunity. Um, wh- what does your father being alive mean to you at this point? It's, a, it's amazing because um, I told you he has 14 brothers and sisters are all passed away. Mm. Uh, he's the only one alive. Uh, my my children up there in Chicago visit him. They love him. Um, he has been able to share things he never shared before. Right now, he's going through the first part of Alzheimer's. Okay. So it's difficult. But him being alive, especially two or three years ago, the doctor said, you know, they want to keep him in the rehab facility. They say, let he's he's not going to live long. He could not take the rehab facility. So he went with my sister. And he's three years going on three years. So he's living the way he wants. He'll eat his pizza and watch his wrestling and yeah. And he's just doing what he wants. So it, it's it's just um, he sets an example because, you know, like I said, we never thought bad of our dad. I know he was an alcoholic, but my dad did a lot of good things. He he learned, you know, he used to read the encyclopedia. He was on H when I went to the uh, to the Navy. Mm. Um, uh, remember the uh, yeah. World Book Encyclopedia? Yep. Well, he used to read Britannic, those. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that was him. He do things like that. He got his GED when he was like thirty five. Uh, just things like that. So he did impressive things, and 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 I'm I'm, I'm proud of him. I'm, I'm I'm just proud. What's the most important thing for your children to get from you at this stage in life? Oh, it's got to be the persistence, man. To keep trying mm-hmm. and keep going. Don't give up because um. And, and I'll be honest, and you've probably been through it already. Each one of my children has some hard times where they had to go through and make some tough decisions and, yeah. and stumble. Um, yeah but they had to keep going and, and they're doing it now. And there's still some stumbling going on, but you know, I'm at a point now where we could help, uh, whether yeah. it's financially or prayer or whatever. And, and and so we're happy that we're able to do that. And yeah, that that's the main thing I always tell them, just be persistent, don't never give up on anything. Um, I, I told uh, uh, yesterday, I was talking about COVID, uh, how it hits people and it reminded me of these, it, how it hits you is like when you're on the football field without pads, you know, hits you that mm-hmm. hard. But you see the players picking up their, their teammates and, 
And that, that's what I feel as far as not to get too religious, but that's how God does. He li sure. He'll lift you up no matter how hard the hit is. So, so if you keep that in mind, you keep rolling it, it'll be good. And, and before we go further, I want to say something about your dad. Uh, he, he holds a, a dear in my heart, and I'll tell you why. There's a special thing between me and your dad. You know, when mm -hmm. I first walked into Calvary, I was hungover. And his hand was the first hand that came out and shook my hand. Now, I knew he could smell the alcohol. Yeah. And that's probably the reason why he said, hey, you know, we have a men's group meeting tonight if you want to come. Yeah. But I didn't I, I, I didn't go. But he was the first one there. And then when I got ordained, he was the first person to shake my hand. Yeah. So I, I, he shook my hand when I was in bad and he shook my hand when I was in good. So he, he he's a, has a special place in my heart, your pops. Yeah, Definitely. absolutely. And that and that's that's a common thread uh, uh, amongst a few, as I'm sure you're aware. My, yeah. It's been interesting to watch my father as an adult with me being an adult and having the same reference of responsibility for family and livelihood and things like that. And I appreciate him differently. And I've seen him change, right? We've had, like I said, we had the conversation with that things where, um, one part of the story was, you know, he was telling me how I was lucky that I didn't get his father. Like me having him as a father was a breeze. It wasn't perfect, but not having his father. And we got into this conversation around, well, why are you so light on my, on, on my children? Like, why do the grandkids get a pass? Yeah. Yeah. And what he said was sometimes in life, when you realize you messed up the first time around and you have a second opportunity to impact, you do it differently. Do it right. What are those, what are some of those second time around things that you focused on or are still focused on as it pertains to your children? Yeah, well, the, the main thing is just just knowing that you should never embarrass your children. And I don't mean embarrass like a, a, you go show up at their school play. I'm talking embarrassed just that they know you. No one else has to see it. If they if they know you 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 went out somewhere or you were drinking or you you landed up sleeping in the car or anything, that that's that's just hurts your child. Yeah. When they see someone that they love, that they look up to, and I think that's what makes it hurts more. It hurt more with me when I was drinking. And after I stopped is the fact that these kids still love me there. They still love me despite yeah. they still, you know, cared for me despite. And, and, and I think that that strengthens that guilt I get now and then that that's in turn strengthens me to be on the straight and narrow. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of tough. I, and there was so many painful things that I saw happen to my dad that it, it, it made me kind of just kind of be upset with my mother. But at one point, just, just feel sorry for him at one time. And, and I'm not sure you, you have to feel sorry for your dad when he's only 30 years old and that, but the drinking gets it that way. There, there was a time he, uh, my mom wouldn't let him in the house. So wow. he slept in the backyard on the doghouse, right? And he was cracking on the window, asking us to open up. She locked us in the room so we couldn't open up. So we're all crying and your wow. full grown dad crying in the backyard, begging to come in, but drunk as heck. That, that, that touches your heart, touches your heart as, it was embarrassing. I mean, not that other people would saw. It was just embarrassing for my dad who showed me how to, you know, ride a mini bike or showed me yeah. this to see him that way, that vulnerable. And I don't think, I, th I think we owe it to our children to, to set an example that, that, that sure we'll make mistakes, but we're not going to do something that's going to humiliate you and yeah. hurt you through your heart. Yeah. Be accountable to your family. So sure. you, you mentioned the interest in the context was a little off about why your dad was crying. But I didn't see my dad cry often. And I mm. had a conversation with my son, and he's never seen me cry. Mm. Did seeing your father show emotions, again, context aside, help you be more in touch with your emotions? Like, do, you, do your children have a problem identifying with emotions that make them sad or crying, anything like that? Because I, 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 it's almost like I don't know how to cry. And that's, that's, that's not a tough guy thing. It's suppress, right. suppress, suppress for so long. And then if you don't see the model of it, unless it's in a very extreme circumstance, I feel like I've done my kids a disservice. And that's why I'm, again, that's why I'm having these conversations with my son. I'm trying sure. to be more mindful because this is where I started drifting off. You know, as, as great as right. my father is, right? Not that he's perfect. Right. While y'all were doing all these great things, I didn't want to be around him at all. I wanted the, mm -hmm. the exact opposite. And, that, and I'm yeah. terrified of that for any of my children. Right. specifically my right. son though but how, how how was it are you an emotional person do your kids see it are they are there any challenges with, with showing those kind of emotions yeah um it just happened 
I mean, yes, I am emotional. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not talking about breaking down crying. I'll tear up now and then and I'll yeah. get emotional. And, and I think when I share my story with them or I tell them things, what to do, um, there are times I'll get emotional, but, but it just came on its own. Um, there were, mm. when, during my younger days, you know, I, I was just the tough dad. Um, yeah. Now, I saw my dad cry. He was stone drunk though, and that excused it. Um, yeah. It hurt me to my heart, but it still excused it. But in their case, they, they've never really seen me break down uh, unless it's at a funeral, maybe uh, uh, get tear up. But I don't have a problem with them seeing my emotions and they do, they have seen it. So they recognize they have emotions and I, and I think they appreciate that too. Your recovery process. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm piecing stuff together from the conversation sure. as it hits me. Um, how much of that decision was for you and how much of it was for your kids? It was all for my kids. And, and I know exactly when, when it hit the tipping point, but, um, keep in mind, I had a couple DUIs. Um, mm -hmm. I, I I've been locked up in three different countries there when I was in Navy oh, wow. from drunk drunkenness. Um, what, there was what a lot of things worse? in Greece okay. and well, Israel, no, Italy was worse, but it was Greece, Italy, and in Canada at uh, one time, but Nova Scotia, I think. But uh, Italy was the worst. It was in Naples. It was real dirty. And they made you in your underwear. You're in the prison. You're just oh, in wow. your underwear. And so you have big people around you and you're just in your underwear. It was kind of scary. But uh, wow. it was just a one day until the chief came and got me out, you know, and never got back then, you know, in the Navy back then, it was cool to be the drunk sailor. No one got you in wow. trouble. You just another sailor. You drunk. As long as you didn't hurt nobody. Yeah. get back and do your job the next day but that was early in the navy now they take tests and, and you'll get kicked out in one incident like that yeah but um yeah it it, it was it, it it's been kind of um up and down and, and um man i lost track of that question so no so you were explaining that you would that your recovery process was more about your children oh, than sure. it was for you and, and right and and i i, I kind of know when exactly one you know there are instances when you you think that was it that you um, you hurt them so bad or you came you missed their birthday party or whatever but there was one day in, in uh it was a snowstorm up in pennsylvania andrew was just born uh he wasn't too old maybe six three months six months and i got stopped after a late night gathering and the the police said hey i'll, I'll let you go if you have someone come pick you up now, my wife just gave birth to Andrew. It was a snowstorm up in Philly, but I still had to ask her to come out with the young baby and pick mm -hmm. me up. So, and when she got there and, and some people believe this, some don't, I, I, I put my stuff in the back seat and Andrew was in that car seat. And, and I promise you, Derek, I heard a boy, I heard Andrew speak and say, mm -hmm. dad, why, why are you doing this to us? I heard that. And from I that point on, I said, I said, I, I gotta, I got, I gotta change, man. I, I just got to change and I, and I sucked it. I stopped feeling sorry for myself and I started yeah. doing what I had to do for myself, which would in turn enable my family to grow the way it should grow. Do you think you miss an opportunity for some of it to be about you as well? Cause you mentioned, you mentioned depression and I'm not suggesting that I, I can put the pieces together like that, but I know if I've done something, if I've corrected a behavior for someone other than me, sometimes that's not strong enough, long enough, right? Or am I not putting my, am I not making myself worth the, the doing the work and the recovery? Do you think that you still have some work to do on you to forgive yourself, to make amends with your former self? I think so. I, I think, uh, um, and that's why maybe the, the, the depression sits in. Um, I'm not sure. Um, I know I see myself getting better each, each, each year or each mm -hmm. couple months, you know, I, I feel less of that down, down and out every now and then. But um, yeah, I think I have work to do. And I think I've mentioned before to people that, that, and when I say work, not just on myself, but just being a father, because Sure. Getting myself straight is, is part of being a father. And um, I think it's a never-ending job. I think it's yeah. a never-ending job. In my case, it's it's two-part. It's not just being a good father, but being a good person, which in turn makes me a good father. Yeah. So, I, I um, yes, I, I believe that um, I got a lot of work to do. Yeah, it, and most of my questions are a reflection of myself, so it's not it's not an attack. <laughs> yeah. I, I realize 
for a long time, I was focusing on being seen as a good father or being seen as a good husband. And I was terrible at both. Right. To the outside looking at, Oh, beautiful family. And there's no salacious stories about abuse or anything like that. Not physical, but there are things where I, you know, there's times where I was selfish. It was more about me than it should have been. And I know it's impacted my family. So I'm always curious about how other stories have, have navigated through that space as well. Cause I know I got a lot, this, this whole podcast journey is about me dealing with me and it is mm. on my nerves. It is really <laughs> on my nerves. Cause it's wow. once you become aware of something at a certain age, it's hard to tell yourself to forget about it or dismiss it. Right. There's a lot of things in me that I know I got to work on. And my wife and I do a podcast together as well. And we had a moment just yesterday about some things that, neither one of us realized was as much of a challenge as it is. But, you know, mm-hmm. if you're not, if you're not deliberate about having these conversations, and again, that's why I do this to help me hopefully help others as well. Um, I think, I think we all have work to do. I know for men, um, especially in the black community or minority communities, you know, it's a, it's an attitude of suck it up. Yeah. We don't talk yeah. about it, get over it, get yep. over it. And at some point that's it comes true. out and it's, typically the least opportune time when those things manifest. What's one thing that you, that you really, that you think you're the best at as a parent to celebrate something? What, what do you, okay. man, I, I really rock out at this. I'm the master of this. My kids think <laughs> I'm the best at this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's just, just my, um, and it goes back to organizing and setting up things. You know, when we have cookouts, we make sure every child is, is every grandbaby is taken care of. It's just a, I guess I would say my, my family, um, the way I, I enjoy family is something yeah. they look up to the way I encourage family to get together. I mean, all of us talk about my, my daughter from Chicago, they rented a van uh, this past summer and, and 14 of them came down for 12 of oh, my wow. grandchildren and them. And, and it was just amazing. And, and we, we we went out and our new house that we had we bought it for the grandbabies in my mind we got it's just me and my wife living here but we got enough rooms and we got enough everything for every we got a game room we got everything it's all for the kids and and i think what i want them to take from me is how important family is because mm. um just as much as i remember these bad things um all these good things uh overshadow them at times so it makes me feel a lot better it makes me feel yeah. a lot better yeah do you think you've uh do you think you've uh, paid your wife back yet for no. all the <laughs> no man and, and you know and you know what praise god she's not the kind that'll keep saying hey i did yeah. this she never brings up stuff and she sometimes doesn't cringes when i bring up old yeah. stuff um that i've done but um no praise god she she does it but no i don't think i'll ever pay her back man because i'm gonna tell you the truth and um i, I caused a lot of heartburn to her i, I caused her stress yeah. um, hurt her you know um, different things maybe uh, affected her uh, um, the growth of, of just her life. She could maybe yeah. she could have found someone better. She didn't give up, so yeah. I, I I can't give up on myself because I'm gonna be here for her till forever. But you know I I, I haven't made up for that. And, I, and but I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. Oh man, I gotta make up. I'm not. I'm not all yeah. obsessed about that. But I know I I probably could never make up for some of the stuff I did to her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was rhetorical to a degree because yeah. I'm in mean, that same boat. You you always trying. But my wife is on the same page. Like we're not keeping score, and she can forget. Yeah, yeah. It's scary. It's like I, I sometimes I, you know, I, early I used to think it was a setup. Like, like okay, you're telling me you <laughs> yeah. forgot, but this is gonna pop. Right? Yeah, pop this is a trick. <laughs> yeah. This is um. This has been a great conversation for me. Um, I'm gonna have to play it back several times to pull some things out. But I want to speak to someone who may be listening that is, that is on that path to to alcoholism or maybe they think they have control of it and you know it's going to take an unfortunate incident for them to realize that that they don't i want you to speak to that person what would you tell them what kind of hope would you give them what kind of reality check would you offer to them because i think that's a very i've been in some dangerous scenarios and i shouldn't be alive that had to do with alcohol right uh, whether it was, I've been hit by a drunk driver three times. Mm. One time, one time totaled my car, two times it, it, they damaged the car, but 
Yeah, I got I got rear ended by a drunk driver that was probably doing 45, 50 miles an hour. And I'm stopped at a stoplight. He hits me and then runs into an apartment building. Wow. And I got out of the car so angry because I had already been hit by somebody. Then they ran. So I got out. I'm mad, ready to fight. And I promise you, like, just like you gave your story and people may, may not believe. I got out the car angry. And out of nowhere, this woman walks up and tells me to sit down. She's like, calm down. You need to sit down. I sat down on the curb. This was like on, uh, for those that don't know, uh, Newport News, Virginia. Um, This was in the Denby-ish area uh, of Newport News, Virginia. And she told me to sit down. The cops came and started, you know, they were taking my story, wanted me to go to the hospital. My parents came. And after she told me to sit down, I never saw her again. Now, I know in those instances, you don't have a concept of time because adrenaline is pumping and two minutes feels like 30 seconds, 30 seconds feels like an hour. You know, it's, but I'll just say I can believe your story because of my, um, my experience like that. But anyway, for, for somebody that is kind of either has identified that they have a problem, maybe on their way to a problem and haven't, you know, realized it or, or claimed it what would you offer them as a, as a word of encouragement or, or as a, you know, Hey, wake up. Well, you know, the, the only thing you, you hear people say it's a selfish disease. You're thinking about yourself, but the truth is you're affecting many people um, Mm. and you're affecting your family. You're affecting everyone. And you can't go back on that. Um, I can't go back on on my son going, you know, joining gangs because his dad wasn't around. Uh, he was just with his mom, and he just had time and just um, joined gangs. I, I can't go back on him getting shot because of the gangs. I can't. None of that you could go back on it. And and even not just alcoholism, a- anything with these yeah. youth nowadays, you know, you just can't go back on it. So I, I would say that you know, t- take charge of your life now because, quite honestly, and no disrespect, but you're making a fool of yourself. You, yeah. you don't realize it until the next morning when your wallet is half empty. That same money you could have used to buy baby formula is not in your wallet anymore, or you don't even know where the money went. You're not, you're not, you're not impressing nobody. It's just something you gotta do. And don't get me wrong, social drinking, that's fine. But if you have an issue where you can't, when you lost count of how many you drank, yeah. or the next morning someone has to tell you what you did, then please seek help any way you can. Got it. Can't end it any better than that. Uh, I, I appreciate you. Thank you for, for making time and being so transparent and sharing some of your more vulnerable moments. I think that is what it takes to shift the trajectory of the next generation of fathers is actually having these conversations sure. and giving them something to identify with or with which to identify, however you say it. Well, thank um, you for these podcasts, man. Thank I, you. I, for yeah, this, I can't, this is, this is purpose driven at this point. Right. And I'm, okay. like I said, I'm learning a lot about me. Sometimes it's annoying learning stuff about yourself <laughs> Yep. because you, you have a duty to correct it, but, um, I'm enjoying the process, man. Sure. Uh, so for our listeners, if you're on the audio podcast platform, please make sure that you're following this podcast. If you're on YouTube and you enjoyed the visual experience, Please leave some comments. There was enough in this conversation to resonate with several of you. Don't be shy in the comments. That helps us out a lot. Um, This is my journey. I'm sharing it with the world. This is what I have to offer. Um, I appreciate you guys. God bless you. Peace. The Dear Son Podcast is produced by D. John's Live Studios, all rights reserved. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll see you here next time. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. 
If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.